Hey guys, and welcome back to the Feenstra Zoo. My name is Spencer Feenstra, the host and creator of the zoo. I'm here just to talk to you about things that are on my mind and on my heart. I hope you'll enjoy the show. If you do, please check us out on all social medias at The Feenstra Zoo. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Everybody and welcome back to the Feenster Zoo and thank you for joining me on yet another audio adventure. There's not too much for personal updates around uh, this week here. Just uh, happy Thanksgiving to my American family and friends and everyone south of the border here. So today we're just going to jump right into it and continue on down the path we started last episode. That is the importance of a thankful life. Today We'll talk more about the dividends that will pay with this type of lifestyle, the proverbial fruit for our labors. When we left off last episode, we were making sure our priorities were set properly, meaning we were seeking the kingdom of heaven first, and all else comes after. So for a guy like me, that means God first, my wife second, my girls a very close third, and all else comes after that. I repeated myself constantly saying that God will provide everything you need, and that is the truth. But one thing we might not understand when we get into this, certainly not something I understood getting into this, was what God says we need and what I think I need may not always line up. One of you is never wrong. One of us is listening to this podcast. (laughs) If you listened to last episode, you will already have heard a lot of the groundwork. But if you've forgotten or you missed the episode, here's a quick refresher. One thing, continue to be thankful. It's the core of a rich and fulfilling life. Two, your body is not your own. You owe everything, including your very being, to a creator. A few things that distract us from a thankful life, anxiety, depression, worry, fear, busyness. This is certainly not an exhaustive list. Check last episode for a bit more and, you know, I'm sure you can come up with some uh, ideas on your own. When you have these things in check, the uh, aforementioned list, and you are living out a thankful life, God will provide what you need. Okay, so now you have the Sparks Noakes and the groundwork to be set here. So, where do we go from here? Well, now that the problem has been framed, let's talk about what thankfulness will breed in your life. Joy, peace, contentment, simplicity, and margin, just to name a few. Some big words on this list, or big themes rather. And that's what I want to start today talking about the road to contentment and how the rest of these words reflect around it 
It has been said that there are two ways to contentment. You can either get more or want less. To satisfy all our desire, I think you would need to experience everything. Own everything, see everything, do everything, and it's simply not possible. We are bound by human limitation, and that is a beautiful thing. We are not God. We simply can't have it all. That said, the adage continues then that we must want less. Sounds simple, right? Just stop wanting things. Go against all your conditioning, social, political, economic, and otherwise. Everything we have been taught since we were just children, that we must consume to be happy. We live in a consumer world, and now, to set our priorities straight, we need to shift the very core of how we were formed. Seeking first God and his kingdom, and allow him to guide your path and provide for you. This is what I tried to repeat and pound into the last episode. Matthew 6.33 or Luke 12.31 say very similar things. When you have your priorities set properly, giving thanks and living a thankful life, you will have the interest of the kingdom first, and in doing so, God will provide all you need. See, I'm repeating myself again. I want to talk about some key concepts today, but first I want to clarify something. These principles, topics, or disciplines, however you want to phrase it, these are not the goal. I'm not trying to get you to be joyful. I'm not trying to get you to live simply. Because these are only pieces of the puzzle. What I'm trying to get is for you to be a disciple of Jesus. Living the way he would live if he were you. Now, the first thing I want to talk about today is joy. Because thankfulness breeds joy. Joy, or happiness, is a choice. I tell this to my daughters constantly. We can't choose our circumstances. We can't control the outcomes. We can't control the choices other people make. What we can control is how we respond to them. What I tell my girls is we must be humble in victory and gracious in defeat. Are we patient in a struggle? Are we not just okay, but happy when things don't go our way? Now, another side note here. I'm not referring to the euphoric, over-the-top glee we see in romantic comedies. No, just reasonable happiness. Like the, I just had a good day at work, and I got to leave early, because I drew the short straw. That kind of happy. The simple, 
good feeling of a day well completed. I'm not asking you to be giddy when you stub your toe, that's just weird. But on a bad day, where every task seems like a struggle, and every problem is nothing but another problem, and it breeds more problems, in those moments, we choose to take a deep breath and face it head-on with a gracious attitude and make decisions out of love and with a level head, choosing happiness or joy over frustration and anxiety. This kind of feels like the perfect transition into the next practice. Peace. Because... This is the same way I find some of the, these moments in chaotic day-to-day -day of my life. Choosing to act in grace and love and a place of a level head instead of frustration, anxiety, and chaos. In other words, being proactive instead of reactive. I feel like I need to unpack this for a minute. Being proactive is owning your decisions and actions and life despite of what other people are choosing to do around you rather than just responding to words and actions from someone else a quote from dr stephen covey comes to mind here uh, i'm not a product of my circumstance i am the product of my decisions but the practice of peace is more than that more than just being happy, especially because we live in a broken and ugly world. And eternal happiness is just not possible in this lifetime. In John 14 verse 27, Jesus said while he was leaving the earth, I am leaving you with the gift of peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give to you this world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. See, the world can't give you real peace, not of mind or of heart. We need to fight for it through some in intentional living, and that includes living with and in the Spirit. And if you're living with peace and joy, your next practice to live is contented, or to be content in all experience. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Luke twelve fifteen, Beware guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Psalm 37.16 It's better to be godly and have a little than to be evil and rich. Do you prefer a little less direct, maybe a little bit more metaphorical? Here, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 Better to have one handful with quietness than to have two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Here's another one in Ecclesiastes, um, more describing like our, our natural state. 
Ecclesiastes 1.8 Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So where do we go now that biblically we know our natural state is not peace or content? Circle back to the beginning here. Be thankful for what we have. Two seconds ago, okay, do you have food? Do you have clothes? The Bible says that is enough. If you're listening to this, I'm guessing on a smartphone, you probably have more than enough. Do you have more than one pair of shoes? That's more than enough. Say thank you to God and keep listening. The book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 14. This is how we need to live. I won't paraphrase this one. Direct scripture. Okay. Verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to be content with wherever I am. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. You see, this was written by a dude named Paul, who was originally a religious scholar, a Pharisee, living in the lap of luxury. Then, after some stuff happened, decided to follow the way or the teaching of Jesus. There is great irony there, but that's a point for a different episode. After that, he was basically a missionary, traveling, a traveling teacher, earning him several floggings, a few times of imprisonment, where he wrote the last paragraph from there, and eventually, it caused him to be beheaded. See, there's a lot more to unpack, uh, to unpack in Paul's life, and I bring this up to emphasize that this dude knew what luxury was, he knew what it was all about, but on the flip side, he knew great poverty and literally knew what nothing was like. Like I said, he wrote that last bit of scripture that I read from a prison cell. Now, when we think of prison, we think, you know, I've got a bed and a toilet that you might share with one other guy you know, uh, running water. That's not what prison was like back in Paul's day. See, likely it was just a hole in the ground with some sticks over top so you couldn't get out. That's it. If you got food, if you got food, it was likely ruined by something. Mold. Or just, or just nothing. But this guy, in this prison, said, 
It's okay. I still need for nothing. He said, I have the secret to being content. He's like, no biggie. I've got God. We're cool. Maybe some food and some clothes. NBD, right? No lie. I'd probably be freaking out if I was Paul. You know, sitting, waiting for my probable execution. All for teaching against what was religiously acceptable. But he's like, through God who strengthens me, I can do all things. We're good. I'm happy. Seek God first, and I have what I need. That's content. Even when trials and troubles come along, and make no mistake, these will come along. We're supposed to run to these things because they help us develop endurance. Romans 5.3, check that one out. Endurance in this sense, I believe, meaning strength of character or resilience to future problems. Because guess what? Problems are coming back. These character traits that we're being trained in, being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, also known as the fruits of the Spirit. Look that up in Galatians if you don't know it. All of this plays into being content or living in contentment. Once you find some semblance of this contented life, you start to notice a few things. Your life becomes a little more simple, just a little bit at a time. And with this simplicity, breeding more simplicity, breeding more simplicity, it becomes margin in your life. These are things I want to talk about a little bit before I sign off here. Simplicity and margin. Let's talk about the first here. Simplicity also referred to as uh, minimalistic or simple living. Now, I'm not talking about design trends, although there might be something to that. I'm talking about more a spiritual weight. Maybe the weight of too much stuff. The type of simplicity I want to talk about is a bit more black and white, right and wrong. It's more the cerebral implications. There's a clarity of mind freeing up space by the spirit that goes along with this type of lifestyle. It's not to say like I want you to become a monk in torn robes only concerning yourself of like meditating for 27 hours a day. I think it's more like freeing up space to challenge higher concepts or to tackle larger questions in our lives. To be honest, this freedom can take a certain drive to maintain, a certain ambition to chase after this kind of life. The truth is, we're at war, and we must fight for our contentment. I know these words seem counterintuitive sitting right next to each other, but consider this, another bit of scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. 
turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Peace takes work. Work is drive and ambition. We haven't been called to an easy life. Listen, this world is broken and fractured, but we have been invited to follow a teacher with a rich and rewarding way of life. A life that offers peace and peace beyond understanding. A life that will allow you space in your mind, space in your schedule, space in your pocketbook, in your patience, space in your life to be interrupted and for you to be okay with your plans to be interrupted. This is the space I call margin. Margin is defined as the space between you, where you are, and a limit or a border. Think about, think about your budget. Okay? The space between your paycheck and your bills. Or think about your schedule. The, the time in a day that you have and the things that need to be accomplished. Now with those things, is there any space left? Are we sitting at 80% with a little wiggle room? Or are we sitting at 100% just trying not to drown? Would you like there to be a bit more space in there? Now listen to me, this is not a silver bullet. There's no acronym or five-step program, no instant fix to anything I've talked about here. This life takes work. And in, made, in many cases, total life overhaul. Now I'm just here yelling into my microphone telling you this life is worth it. I'm likely just like you. I'm just some average dude who happened to ha think he has something to say who bought a microphone and has internet access. I'm not not some religious scholar or some world-renowned motivational speaker. I'm not a pastor. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm nothing, really. I'm just some dude. But I'm telling you, this life is worth it. Let, let me try and frame something for you. Picture this. Okay? Jesus in a crowd of people, teaching all day from breakfast till well past supper. Then someone comes up just as he's about to take off for the day and goes, Hey, my daughter is sick. Can you come heal her? A dude from today would likely say something like, mm, Sorry, my business hours are over. Um, see one of my followers for my next engagement date. Maybe we can set something up. No, we, we know what his answer would be. And why does he save her? Because he has margin even in his attitude. Jesus accepts the interruption because he's trained this space into the core of his personality. And everyone here 
everyone I know, even non-religious people, have heard the phrase WWJD. What would Jesus do? And I like that. But John Mark Comer, an author and pastor who I really enjoy, phrased it differently. And it kind of shook the way I think. It says, what would Jesus do if he were me? See, Jesus wasn't a dad of two girls with a wife and a full-time career. But I have to think about my situations going, okay, what would he do if he were in my shoes? You see, Jesus wasn't a stay-at-home mom. Jesus wasn't some big-shot lawyer in a high-rise somewhere. But his teachings still apply to what we have. Start reframing these what-would-Jesus-do moments into what-would-Jesus-do-if-he-were-me and how would he parent? How would he handle a, a high school kid? How would he handle staying at home all day with, with kids and chores? How would he carry himself? How would he how would he react in your situation? Start thinking like that and start intentionally walking at the speed and pace of Jesus and see if you can't find a little bit more of that peace, that silence, that simplicity in your life. Now, guys, I know that there's so much more to unpack through these topics, and I definitely will be revisiting them as I learn how to say these things properly. But there's so much to digest already in this episode. I'm going to leave it here for today. If you have questions, comments, concerns, want clarifications, or you want my show notes to dig deeper into this stuff, please reach out to me. I'm on every major social media platform. Just search The Fiendst Resume on any platform and you'll find me. And guys, if you really like what I do here, if you're able to, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Fiendst Resume and you can support me directly there if you wish. Until next time, guys, God bless. I love you. Thank you for tuning in today.